Welcome to the Well Interior Podcast. My name is Elizabeth Simitowski, and I'm a licensed mental health clinician in the state of New York. I have a private practice here in upstate New York where I live in the foothills of the Adirondacks, and I would first like to thank Railroad Productions for producing this podcast. Today, I am so excited to be sharing this podcast with you as we have our first ever Well Interior guest, author Rufi Thorpe. I'm so thrilled to have you on our podcast, Rufi. I came across your book, The Knockout Queen, through the Book of the Month Club, something my sister and I signed up for in the beginning of the pandemic when the libraries were still closed. And I was so surprised, not only by the wit and caliber of your writing, but also by your portrait of the human condition. And, you know, by how seamlessly you were able to really put us there in each character's inner experience and inner landscape, particularly with the character of Michael, who I absolutely fell in love with, by the way. (laughs) I completely adore his candor, his spirit. Um, You know, with this coming of age experience as a gay male in, in the California suburbs and how you were able to address and subtly navigate his inner world and how that compared to this outer world that he was living in and the reality of his day-to-day living along all these different spheres and not really feeling fully part of any of them, which I think is something so many of us can identify with, um, especially in, in those adolescent years um, and the immense isolation that that invited And I thought after reading this book, I'm like, I need to tell her I need to do something with this. This is one of those once in a lifetime reads and books. This is, you know, meant to be out in the world. So I could not be more honored to have you here today. So welcome, Rufi. Thank you for being here. Um, If you could just first introduce yourself and then tell us a little bit about you and your experience of writing this book. Sure. Um, so my name is Rufi Thorpe, and The Knockout Queen is my third novel. Um, my first novel, The Girls from Corona Del Mar, came out when I was 27, and I just had my first baby, and was sort of, I really didn't know if I was going to get to publish books, because that seemed like such an outlandish goal. Um, and so that was really a big exciting thing and then my I came out with Dear Fang with Love which is about a father and a daughter and um, they take a history tour together in Vilnius, Lithuania um, and it's a lot about um, mental illness. She's just been diagnosed with bipolar and so as a psychologist that might kind of interest you um, and then The Knockout Queen and so I really, um, I live in California with my two boys and write these books and it's it's a dream come true um this book as you have said is about um bunny and michael bunny is six foot three 200 pounds by the end of high school and a star volleyball player and her dad ray is kind of the hotshot real estate um agent in town and then her next door neighbor michael um becomes kind of her best friend and he moved to the town after his mom was sent to prison for stabbing his father and he's moved in with his aunt, and he works at Rite Aid after school, and he has a secret grinder account, and both of them are sort of failing to pass, 
you know, like Bunny doesn't feel like she's able to be a girl correctly. And he also is like struggling with how to present himself. And so they can really be themselves with each other and be like an unfiltered version. Um, and that's sort of the, the bond that unites them. And, you know, it's just that kind of unfiltered version. I mean, it's it's such a the the kind of work at, at large feels very unfiltered, very human. And that was something that really drew me to it. And, you know, again, just the way of, of even one sentence that, that you'll write and you can just feel the weight of that character's entire experience. I mean, just speaking to Bunny and, and kind of a little bit of her coming of age, there's one particular passage it said you know overnight bunny had gone from being the princess of the north shore happy popular varsity athlete and daughter of one of the most influential men in town to being um, a disgusting pig everyone agreed they never liked (laughs) (laughs) and you could just feel that you know it's so it's interesting to me i think as i like as I've developed as a writer, I've become more and more interested in larger groups of people. I think it's like easier to start with several close relationships because you're trying to, you know, hold them as real beings in your head, these made up people. Um, but the what interests me more and more artistically is social dynamics in larger groups. Mm-hmm. And so part of what was so fun about this novel was that you have the world of their friendship and then you have the world and how they present themselves to their immediate family and then you have how they're perceived in school and then how, how they're perceived sort of in the town. And we get to see, the book is very much also about violence. And so I wanted there to be violence that is in all those levels as well. So there's like a murder that takes place in the town that we get to see kind of from the point of view of gossip. And it's sort of like this mirror of later what happens to Bunny. And I'm just very interested in that. I'm interested in how people talk about other people and how we make sense of these sort of tragedies. And, you know, really with that piece, kind of that that violence, you know, the, uh, a lot of the work that I do with individuals and even in my own life, you know, we have that kind of vehement critical voice, you know, and, and so often the violence that we experience in our outer world, we start to kind of mirror that in our inner landscape. And, and that really comes out in, in these characters is kind of that inner, especially with Michael, that inner dialogue and how damaging that can be just because of, of the violence that you were speaking to of, of that piece going on around him. Um, you know, I could talk with you about this book for days. I haven't stopped talking about your book since reading it. Um, but I think, you know, a couple of themes, again, so much uh, to this, but really um, that spoke to me in the spirit of this podcast, which is one of the human spirit, is really the, the themes of acceptance and morality. And starting with the acceptance theme, you know, I was struck by the continual relationship piece with the adults in these characters' lives, particularly in Michael's life. You know, adults, the people who are supposed to be safe and how they would sort of be that safe person for him, but then how they would so deeply let him down, um, specifically speaking to the acceptance of his sexuality. Um, You know, I'm thinking of this one example in the book where, you know, Michael's over at Bunny's 
house and and he and, and Ray and Bunny are having pizza and Michael's just starting to settle in and feel like, oh, you know, I'm, I'm feeling accepted. I'm feeling loved. And then, you know, just kind of getting comfortable. And Ray says, gay people should be able to do whatever they want, except maybe teach little kids. <laughs> And you could just feel the deflation. You could feel it. And and Michael's like, what now? And, you know, um, Ray continues, well, I don't know. I just teaching preschool or something or even elementary school teachers, that doesn't seem right to me. And then, you know, it goes on to say, Bunny's mouth was literally hanging open and her eyes were bulging out of her head. She couldn't believe her dad was saying this, but I could. Um, I mean, so could you speak to, to that acceptance piece? Um, well, I mean, in a certain sense, I think part of that scene, that scene is maybe my favorite in the book because what's happened is that he has gotten surprise plastic surgery and come home with this, like, absolutely, like, weird swollen face from having this eye lift, and then they're all eating Domino's pizza and, like, kind of having a good time, and he's, like, letting his high school-age daughter and her friend drink alcohol, and it's all not a situation that Michael should relax into. Like, Ray Lampert is telling you who he is, and then that's who he is. Like, he is a bad guy, and... Everybody keeps going, oh, but he must not be that bad of a guy. But he really, he's exactly who he says that he is, kind of. Um, And so I think that um, so much of, I guess, what interests me is that there can be these terrible failures where suddenly people disappoint you absolutely. And there are points for Michael where his mother disappoints him, where his aunt disappoints him. And then those relationships keep going. Mm -hmm. You know, that's not the last time that he sees Ray Lampert and Ray continues to be like really supportive of him after that. And they, you know, they, they find their way to like a workable truce. And that's kind of how life is. Like it's really hard to know what to do with people who are toxic to you, whether it's because they don't approve of your sexuality or whether it's because they have their own psychological problems. There's, I think that cutting people out is one solution, but it's a really hard solution. And a lot of times it's not an option. And so I guess that's what interests me is trying to negotiate past those terrible disappointments Mm -hmm. and what happens like in the days after that what happens if you have to go on living with this person and then how do you make accommodations for each other and how do you accept that you love someone who's a bad person Mm -hmm. I think that that's like the core thing that interests me as a writer is what to do with our love for people who are so flawed because for all the ways that Ray Lampert is terrible and I think Michael sees him as the main villain of the book certainly he's also like weirdly likable Mm -hmm. um and that has been my experience of all of the genuine evil And, you know, that absolutely. And, you know, that kind of speaks to that. The next theme that I wanted to, to talk with you about is that of morality. Right. And I and again, I just that's one of the, the pieces that I love about the book so much. And, and you and you navigate all of this in such a succinct way. I mean, this this isn't, you know, a, a 800 page book. I mean, you just in the kind of just most minute ways you're able to just really encapsulate all of what you were just speaking to and 
and you can just feel it. And that's what I love about this book is that it, it really speaks to that that complex element of being a person and how do we figure that out because we humans are not perfect we're flawed but which flaws do you choose to accept and move with and and which are are relationships that you have to move away from and you know I'm always interested in in working with individuals in in my work and in my own life you know with this concept of intention you know what is this individual's intention are they ultimately coming from a good place and if they're coming from that good place um you know there's there's room for some growth um, but if they're coming from a harmful place or wanting to take, then maybe that's a relationship where you need to set a boundary or move away from or move out of. But figuring that out is really difficult. And, you know, it's not cut and dry. And I felt your work really danced that fine line of intention so well where someone's inner self is coming from though maybe misguided in our humanness um it, you know how does that translate mm-hmm. well and I just I, I guess for me I always like to write about things that I don't know the answer because if you do know the answer then you're just like making a diorama that demonstrates your own worldview. like the game is rigged guess what I can decide what happens and who everybody is so it's like <laughs> if I had a strong conclusion, all I would have to do is, like, force and rig up a diorama to prove my own point, right? And so I always like to write about things that I have no idea what I think and that I feel very, very conflicted about. And moral judgments are one of those things that I still can't figure out. Um, I especially am super confused by punishment and what we think it's going to do, and yet I'm not able, like, I've always been really troubled by... um, you know, the, the whole incarceral system. And I think especially in California, like the prison system has just gotten really out of control. Um, and yet like, what should we do? What are we supposed to do? Like, what kind of creatures are we? What's the plan? Like you, you look to the past and say like, well, was it ever better at some point? You're like, no, (laughs) it's way worse so then where where do we possibly go like how do we navigate destructive behaviors in people and what of our fears are founded and what of our fears are irrational all of this is so interesting to me and I feel a million different ways about it and so I literally just will try and let each character have an opposing position and then try and just let them be in dialogue with each other um and so much of this was understanding that like the actual plot was about whether michael could stop worrying whether people were good or not he has this real problem and it's sort of like an issue that he has with his mother that then gets you know echoed in the issue that he has with bunny which is he just can't get over the fact that his mom stabbed his dad and went to prison. Mm-hmm. And he can't digest the fact that he also thinks that she was a victim and his dad was the bad guy, and yet she was punished. And yet then, being in prison, she kind of became someone icky to him. And it was so complicated, and he was so young that he couldn't separate all the strands out. And so he just became really confused about whether or not she was a good person or a bad person. And he kind of hits that same problem with Bunny again. And so his confusion is 
this very much like my own confusion in terms of like how to be a people, how to be a person relating to other people. And, and, you know, hearing you say that, I, I wonder if that's part of, you know, how and why as a reader you feel that so strongly. You know, it's, it's really interesting to hear you say that you feel conflicted about it and are writing from that place. Um, and I wonder if that's, that's part of why that translates so strongly is that that's true to your feelings in real time, you know, that it, it didn't have this whole plan weaved out, um, that, that you're really still, as a human being, moving with that piece as well because you can feel that so strongly. Um, and, and on top of it all, just this kind of undercurrent of the human spirit and resilience. Yeah. Well, uh, you know, it's, have you ever read Artie Lang? No. Um, so he's like a, I, want, I think he's a psychologist, but also a poet, and he has this book called Knots. And so each one is sort of like a little prose poem, conf- like presenting someone's conflicting beliefs about something Mm. and so it's just it's such a I mean I actually haven't read it since I was in my early 20s so maybe it's really bad you'll like go to it and you'll be like hmm why did you read this book but that concept has always stayed with me the idea that like all of the problems that we have are really these knots of beliefs that we have that are actually in conflict so that it's sort of almost like one of those like Escher drawings where it's spatially impossible for all of the things we believe to be true to be true Mm -hmm. and so one of these things is false but as you go through the chain you can't figure out which one it is and I feel like that's a, a easier way for me to understand what's going on for me psychologically is that I'm believing two things to be true that are in conflict with each other. And then I have to go through and like figure out, you know, what I actually want um, and what I actually think is true. Um, And so I think it's also how I think about plots and about books and, and works of art is that they're about these little clusters of, um, conflicted things these tangles these knots Mm -hmm. of truth where and so my job I think is just to like describe the knot you know I love that and and in doing so you know and in finishing the book did you come to any sort of other unwinding or untangling um that that surprised you well I mean I think that Michael comes to this moment at the end, you know, he tells her, like, you don't have to be good. Like, mm-hmm. You can still just be. And I think that that is maybe ultimately where I land. Um, I don't think that we love people because they're good, and so I don't think that removing love is a good punishment for when someone fails to be good. Um, I mean, even though that's sort of how we train children and dogs. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I don't... I don't think that it's really true all the way. Mm -hmm. Um, And I I think that in part because I have, have, while I've had people that I've had to remove from my life because their behavior was too destructive for me to continue to be around them, I never really stopped loving them or caring what happened to them, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know? And so... I think that I felt really troubled by that, and now I feel slightly less troubled 
And maybe that kind of moderate improvement, maybe you don't even need the knot to get untied if you can just get it loose enough <clears throat> that you can move a little bit, you know? <laughs> mm-hmm. So I still, I, I don't know that I have any true clarity on human moral obligation to each other, but I do feel somehow like more at peace with all the contradictions. Mm-hmm. And, and it sounds like just, you know, letting yourself and, and through the characters just kind of at the end with Michael being able to just kind of see all of it and, and kind of giving himself permission to step out of that good-bad dichotomy and just kind of let himself be and then just kind of let all of it sort of be, um, you know, kind of just that, that human being, right, that experience versus kind of having a, a judgment or a sense of, is this good, is this bad? Um, and Exactly. You don't have to choose. It's both. It's both. You know, it is good and it's bad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so you have to kind of relax and stop trying to force it to be one or the other, I think. Yeah, and, and you know, with that kind of intention and morality piece, even with the incarceration, you know, component you were speaking about and, and that theme that's in, in the work as well, kind of that, that missing piece of, okay, but what's behind the behavior? You know, again, what what whatever, however it came out in our humanness, what, what was that intention? You know, was it coming from a loving place? And I certainly hear what you're saying that so much of that gets lost in the behavior versus what, well, what's behind it? You know, where was it coming from? Um, and so, yeah, I mean, again, I could talk with you about this for days, but I know that, that our time is, is coming to a close. So I just, I am absolutely ecstatic with this this opportunity to share this time with you Rufi and truly what a gift that you've given to me and our listeners and the world with this work and just kind of a you know what I took from it was just that truly that permission to just be that we don't maybe have to have the answers Um, and and I think when you you come across a brave work like this and a brave portrayal of of a human being it it just gifts us the opportunity to to feel a bit more brave in being ourselves and i just want to thank you for for putting this out in the world and um this has just been such a, a privilege to share this time with you Oh, it's been absolutely a privilege from my end. It's just, I don't know, I feel like it's so easy to read a book and then just go, huh? (laughs) I never write to the person and certainly never, like, take the time and energy of, you know, your life force to, like, make podcasts and share things with people. And it's it's such a valuable and noble thing, I think, to do. And I feel incredibly grateful that... Um, that you read it and that you reached out to me. I feel very lucky. Oh my gosh. Well, same. And um, I am going to read all of your other books now and be waiting um, for whatever is next. And in the meantime, I'm going to keep talking about this. (laughs) And, um, you know, please stay safe out in California with your family. And, you you know, please keep in touch. And thank you again so much thank you for having me